We have an opportunity here to bring presence to the ceremony that is your life. And my invitation to you is to stop whatever you're doing, wherever you are, just for this one precious moment and take a deep breath. Follow the breath into your root point and land yourself right here, right now, into your present moment. And exhale. Welcome to the space where all the magic is happening and prepare yourself to receive the wild, raw expanse that is available inside the dojo that is your life. You are the empowered center point creator of every single experience that you are drawing into your field at this time. When you recognize that and really get that in your bones, you will receive yourself as the magnet for the most perfectly expansive evolutionary curriculum that is precisely crafted for you to evolve beyond what was in order to claim all that is a match to the you who is free. And that is what we are here to do inside the dojo as we explore what it means to live a life beyond the edge. This is a Soul Fire production. Hello, dojo family. And I am extra excited to connect with you all today because I'm here with one of the dojo OG women, Naya Kete, who has been walking with me in so many ways over the last couple of years. Um, first as one of the original sisterhood in the Dojo Immerse container, and now as an ally and collaborator in, in the expanse that's happening within the ecosystem as one of the first Dojo Council members. And I'm really excited for you guys to get to feel her because the episode after this one will be an episode with her hosting and introducing you to um, an incredibly impactful and genius being in her world that I'll let her introduce you to in the next episode. And here now, my intention is to introduce you to this woman whose voice has changed my system at the cellular level. This woman has sung through me in many a ceremony in one of the biggest transition times of my life. She sang a song to me that healed my heart in a way not many things had up until that point. And I, I just feel the deepest honor to be doing life in so many ways with this woman and to introduce all of you to her, both through her verbal transmission and also her vocal transmission. And with all episodes of the Dojo podcast, my invitation is for you to slow down and create intentional space in order to fully receive the transmission that's coming through here. And especially in this episode, because Naya is going to sing through you, sing into you with the heart that only she brings. And I would very highly encourage that if you're listening to this episode while doing a lot of things, you know, dishes or driving or a lot of motion and, and your mind half somewhere else, I would, I would wait. I would encourage you to wait until you actually have created space to fully receive. So for those of you that are ready and are currently inhabiting that space to fully receive, I want to invite you to take a very deep breath all the way to the bottom of the belly. Inhale. And exhale. And with that, I want to welcome Naya Kete and my love. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your medicine with us. And before we get into the music and set some context around it, I would love to invite you just to share a little bit about your why for being here today. Wow, sister. Thank you so much. What an epic intro. I'm here because I'm meant to be. From the first time your 
image inhabited my Instagram feed (laughs) in the Jaguar collective days, I knew I was supposed to be in your sphere. I knew we were supposed to collaborate. I knew we were supposed to be sisters, be friends, be partners. And as that connection has unfolded and deepened, and we've worked together in so many different ways as teacher and student and vice versa and everything in between, Mm. I have just felt a real commitment to stand by you in the work that you're doing. And the dojo ecosystem is something for me similar to the way that you were speaking about the way that my voice has impacted your nervous system, your work and the dojo world has impacted me in ways that are hard to put into words. And I believe it's important that sisters and brothers who are feeling called to work with themselves, to meet themselves in powerful ways are exposed to these types of containers and this type of medicine. Mm. And so that's why I'm here today. Uh, mm. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for being a carrier of it right along with me. I realized in the deepest way um, in my recent, the series of ceremonies I sat in in Costa Rica with grandmother with ayahuasca, how much what we're here to do, we cannot do it alone. And, you know, the, the dojo ecosystem had, it had grown as far as it could grow with my capacity to hold it and for it to expand so that more women and men can experience the profound growth and true family that I've witnessed occur in you and all of the women that have moved through these containers, which includes me in order for us to be able to transmit the medicine that we've experienced and include more human beings in this ecosystem and, and empower them in their like absolute highest, most full fuck yes zone of genius. I became aware that it's essential to collaborate, to co-create, to move into the shared vision. And it's such a gift that happens so organically to have women like you in my life that hold this vision as close to their heart as I do. I wonder about transmitting the mechanics of like actualizing that, like as a visionary, because the biggest visions, the deepest legacies, right? Like they were held together through the harmony of a group that believed in and shared a vision together. And walking through the threshold into that has been made possible through women like you showing up. And I feel humbled over and over and over again, because when I say women like you, I'm talking about some of the most genius, talented human beings that I've met. And it's such an honor to serve and to be served by, which I get to be served by your medicine today in this, in this podcast. So thank you for the way that you show up. And I'd love to hear a little bit about what inspired the earlier steps in your journey toward the work that you do now with the children and with the song healing trauma sisterhood, like back it up. Like back it up because I know that you're also a recording artist and there's that sphere of your expression, but back it up. Like what in your journey was the catalyst? Cause this, this space that we're creating here, we're, we're discussing living your life beyond the edge We're we're, we're in not discussing, we're inviting every ear listening to expand beyond their current leading edge and live a life at the pulse right there. So what was it in your life? that it inspired your direction toward working with the women and children that you do today? Yeah. Well, there's an image of me. I'll see if I can find it for you for this podcast. It can be in behind the scenes content or something. There's an image of me when I'm like two years old, big Afro holding a mic in my hand. And I grew up surrounded by music, surrounded by 
a multitude of different cultures surrounded by African drum and dance, going to reggae festivals, just like really deeply entrenched in sound, (laughs) in sound as a way of life. I remember not long after I moved to Los Angeles, I was playing a show and I remember saying to the audience, like, what do you all do? Like what? I don't know anything beyond music. Like, what do you do with your life? You know, all I know is artists and musicians, you know, that's what I knew for, from the time I was a kid up until early adulthood was just music. And alongside that, I also experienced a profound amount of trauma when I was a kid and and into my early adulthood as well. And it took me a long time to really acknowledge that because my home was full of so much love. Yeah. Still is, you know, and acknowledging the trauma did not negate that. It didn't discount that. It just is a both and situation. Mm-hmm. And when I became a young adult, as I evolved and grew and time passed and I, and I became a young adult, I started to really acknowledge the trauma that I had experienced as a child. And it was really profound for me to acknowledge that. And I realized that a lot of what I'd been doing in music was giving myself permission to feel that without being consciously aware of it. Mm -hmm. All I knew is that when I was 12, 13, 14, I would sit on my bed with a guitar in my hand and feel like I had to write a song that would make me cry. And I had no idea why. It was like a yearning. It was like a deep yearning. Mm -hmm. I had to write a song that would make me cry. And it was like, I wanted to feel the pain. Mm. I wanted to feel the grief. I wanted to feel the anger. Music gave me permission to do that. I didn't, I I didn't know why there wasn't a conscious reason behind it. I just knew I needed to feel and music gave me permission to do that. Mm. As I became aware of that and realized not only was able to acknowledge the trauma, but also able to acknowledge what I'd been doing, the way I'd been acting as my own healer, as a songwriter, artist, and musician, I thought, how incredible is it that in so many areas of life, we resist feeling Mm -hmm. the difficult thing. You know, we turn away from the anger. We turn away from the sadness. We buffer in Netflix and food and friends and drinks and nightlife and shows and all of the things, right? Mm -hmm buffer our feelings we resist our feelings for me music was never a place where I had to resist anything it didn't matter what the feeling was I not only want I not only had permission to feel it I actually wanted to Uh. and that blew my mind wow so when the pandemic hit and as a full-time performing artist who made her living doing, playing live shows and touring, I freaked out (laughs) when the, when the world shut down and we took a sacred pause as a globe, right? I had an opportunity. I was gifted with this opportunity to present a, uh, a, a program that would be fully funded, but it had to have a social impact element local in the community. And so I thought to myself, wow, I've been writing these trauma healing songs for myself, unconsciously just doing it. What if I A, got conscious about it and B, was able to channel song healing trauma for others. Mm. And so I took the leap, I pitched the program, I got the funding and I started working with young people of color, local to my community and my entire world changed. And so that's the context, that's the backstory of the of where it came from. Wow. And also a little side addition to that is I actually got to experience multiple times Naya's channel in the way that she channels song in real time that is precisely pointed 
to impact and heal and almost like touch the parts that have been deemed untouchable, love the parts that had been felt as unlovable through the vibration of her voice and the channeled language that goes where most people will never go in speech, period. We'll discuss and, and like penetrate into territories that most would never penetrate. And to do it through the vibration of your voice and the God-given genius talent that you carry is such a pointed gift that I'm so grateful to have been on the receiving end of. So in our um, dojo immersed and dojo masters containers, Naya would come in as, you know, and, and sing and, and, and channel medicine music that isn't coming from any line outside of her own, just like a fully channeled in the moment transmission. Um, and so getting to witness her in that through our containers together had been um, super inspiring and part of the inspiration that lent itself later to realizing, oh, I just, this, this is a team of women that just moved through this container. We get to hold mm -hmm. these, we can, we can hold more of this when we hold it together. We can create more of this when we create it together. Right. And so feeling that also in the, the runway leading up to the pandemic and during the pandemic, we were in those containers together was around the time that you started entering into creating your own containers around song healing trauma and working with the children. Right. So I'm curious now, like take us into the next step, specifically some of the songs that I've heard you channel in connection to your work with, with the kids have been so chill inducing that I'd love for you to share with us about your work in that way. And then specifically I'd love to hear about the voices of the children that you've worked with and some of their stories and how those stories impacted you. Yeah. Well, before I go into that, I just want to acknowledge and just share my gratitude for those spaces with you where you invited to, to you invited me to show up as sound guardian. You know, I didn't know what a sound guardian was. I didn't know what medicine music was, right? Like I was like, what? Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. You know, it's just like, what? And um, having that invitation was, it was affirming, but it also opened possibility in me. It opened possibility, the ability to dream, to imagine if, you know, for myself. And so just, wanting to honor that, honor that invitation. And for those listening, as you, as you are invited into spaces, even if you don't know the fullness of what it is, if there's something in you, a little voice in you or a big voice in you that's saying, yes, I'm supposed to explore this. Listen, <laughs> Listen. take the action. That's your edge. Go beyond it do the thing. Right. So yeah, just, a uh, just major acknowledgement there for you. Cause I do think it has informed, you know, this unfolding of song healing trauma, <laughs> the program that I pitched, you know, when I first got the opportunity, this, it, the, the organization that I was, that was funding this is called artists at work. And when the pandemic struck, they uh, wanted to make sure that artists like myself and not just musical artists, visual artists, all kinds of artists, dancers, right. Um, had a living wage, you know, that the work they do is val valuable. It's important and that they deserve a living wage. And when I got this opportunity, I really didn't know what to do. So the first thing I did was call my mom. <laughs> I was like, mom, I have this thing that I know I, I, I can, I feel like there's something here. I know I'm supposed to do something here, but I don't know what it is. And she, I know I, I, I just told her I wanted to write trauma healing songs. And she said, call Jess. And Jessica Protus is a fam dear family friend who had been working in Holyoke public school systems, Holyoke, Massachusetts for more than a decade. And she worked as a therapist 
in the school systems, really exploring different types of healing modalities and making sure that the youth in those systems had agency and authority over their education. Because 99% of the children and youth and young adults in these systems are not taken care of holistically. There's not room for a depth of understanding of what it's like to grow up when there's gunshots every night and people shooting up on the corner and, uh, you know, there's physical violence and sexual violence in your home and you're involved in gangs and young black men have their funerals planned out before age 19 and more children end up in jail than graduate, right? And then you have your teachers, teachers telling you, I care more about education than you do. I care more about your education than you do. And they're like, no, you don't. You just don't understand the depth of the experience that I'm going through. You don't know what it's like in my home, right? So her mission in that context was to educate the educator <laughs> with the voices of the youth, right? So she was about flipping the script and having youth who have been through trauma teach educators how to best take care of them on a holistic level. Mm-hmm. And so I called her up and I said, I want to write trauma healing songs. Can I work with your clients? Mm-hmm. And she, not only being a dear friend, but also having a mission to explore different types of healing modalities was a full fuck yes to that and put me in touch with a number of her clients. So I worked in that first year with six individuals and between the ages of 15 and 22, I think, I was deeply impacted by every single one of them. Mm. I remember the first day I met this one young mermaid. (laughs) He is larger than life and also quiet in his he has a way of looking at the world and a way of processing what has happened and what is happening with a complexity that I have never seen. Mm. It's scary sometimes and also fascinating and chill inducing. And I remember when he showed up, we were meeting at Jess's office And he showed up with a knife in his pocket. And Jess is like, what are you doing with a knife? Like, why are you here with a knife? He's like, I walk around with a knife. Like, this is the neighborhood I live in. Of course I have a knife. Mm. And she's like, okay, well, you don't need one here. And he's like, I'm going to keep it. (laughs) (laughs) And then Jess leaves. (laughs) And I'm here with this young man in a room by myself. All, and all I know about him is that he has an, an immense amount of trauma and that he's got a knife in his pocket. <laughs> oh, right. And I'm just like, what? But the first thing he does, we sit next to each other. And the first thing he does is he hands me the knife. He, hand, he takes the knife out of his pocket and he hands it to me, handle forward, right? So not sharpened forward, handle forward. He's like, here, you can have it. Huh. And I took the knife and I held it for a second and I said, I'm just going to put it here. And I put it on the table in between us. Mm. And that was like our first interaction. Wow. Now I'm like, this is going to be intense. And he proceeded to tell me a story of the sexual abuse that he'd been through from the time he was a young boy to a young adult. Uh, He had been serially raped by his stepfather. and. That's one aspect of his life. And then the other aspect is the way in which that kind of abuse perpetuated more abuse. So he would do things that 
were really violent. You know, he would hurt himself, he would hurt others. And that and that and that created more trauma for him. Mm -hmm. And yet (laughs) I remember after I channeled his song and we were getting ready to play it for him for the first time. He spoke about everything that had happened to him with such clarity, you know, he just was just was there when we when I first played the song and she was talking about feeling like, you know, the reason she became a therapist was because she wanted to work in spaces where God didn't exist, you know, where it was so dark and God didn't exist. And she wanted to bring light to those spaces and bring God to those spaces. And she said, what happened to you? What happened to you, Yamar? God didn't exist in the, when you were experiencing that. And he said, what are you talking about? Of course God existed. Because if it didn't exist, there's no way I would have been led down the path that I've been led. I wouldn't have been led to you to work with you, Jess. And I wouldn't have been led to this moment to work with Maya where she channeled this song on my behalf. And now that song is going to change the world. Ugh. And I just... I was like, (laughs) and this is, you know, I know I just said his name, Yamar. His family doesn't know what happened to him. And we're getting ready to release the music. And I said, well, do you want to be, do you want to remain anonymous? You know, your mom doesn't know. Mm -hmm. What do you think would happen? Mm -hmm. And And he's just like, you know what? It's meant to be. It's meant to be. I don't know. I, I don't want to tell her, but if she finds out, so be it. <laughs> you know, he's like such a, um, he's so available for yeah. life. Yeah. You know, so mm. available for life. I'm so proud of him in so many ways. Wow. Yeah. I really feel through your words how deeply you care for these kids man and also how deeply they grew to care for you and the attunement that it is is required to um even the example that you gave with the knife right where it's like you kept the energy balanced and it was a deep honor you know and and placing the knife in the center and like offering up trust on the altar of your relationship in that way. And what a gift that must have been for him to feel your trust, like to feel you choose trust, you know? And then how it sounds like he's chose trust with you. And I just feel how just built you are for this work. Was there any, Cause I know this, I believe this was the first time you've been really working with kids in this way. Did it just feel natural when you walked into the room? Like, was there any like preparation that you needed or was it just like, man, like straight to source channel? Yeah, that's a great question. I have been preparing for this without realizing it. So leading up to this in the, in the years leading up to launching this program, I uh, I had gone on a very intentional journey in my own health and well-being. So I got really invested in making sure that I was moving my body the way my body needed to move. I was really invested in taking care of what I put in, like my nutrition and what, how it is I took care of my body in that way and what I ate and digested. I was doing cold therapy. So I was doing these cold plunges and, and attracting women like you into my life, right? Attracting teachers and guides and sisters into my life and mentors. So while I didn't know that I was preparing for the launch of Song Healing Trauma, I was totally preparing for the oh launch my. of Song Healing Trauma, right? Are you getting in those cold lakes? Yes, yes. yes. In the, yeah. on the East Coast, I was like, wow, <laughs> get it, girl. I, I did. I, I was, uh, I started, I started in August. I would walk to the lake every day on the East Coast in Massachusetts and I would 
jump in the lake starting in August and then September hit and then October hit and then November hit. And I just kept freaking going until December, until the lake was frozen. Yeah. Just kept jumping in every day. And so I, yeah, so I prepared in that way because I was taking care of myself and I was preparing myself to just be capable of more than I knew that I could be. Mm -hmm. And that first day after meeting with the, with Yamar, I got out of the room, I got into my car and I broke and I wept and I felt a, a pain that I didn't know I could feel because I wasn't just feeling my own. I was feeling his and the other youth I had worked with that day. Mm-hmm. And I called every mentor I knew <laughs> and I said, I'm doing this thing and I need help. And I need and I like, right. So the minute, so from day one, right. I made sure that I was surrounded and, uh, you know, I probably, I probably sent a note to the sisters that day too. Right. Like I just, I called in intentionally support. Yeah. So beautiful. So beautiful. So now, you know, we, we, I know I very much feel the connection that you experience with Yamar. And, um, I'm curious if you'd be willing to share the song that you channeled for him and recognizing that this song was specifically channeled, um, to support him in his trauma healing work. And so if you're open to it, I would love to invite you to set the space and invite those who are listening to receive it at the depth that it deserves to be received from. Yeah, I'd love to. Mm, it feels really special. The recording is not released yet. And so I'm going to sing this song for you a cappella. And I just invite you right now to, if you are in the space, close your eyes. to tune into your physical body. Allow any tension to melt and focus, bring your awareness to attuning to medicine. May this medicine of sound, of vibration move through you exactly in the way it needs to. May it touch the places in your body, in your heart, in your blood, in your soul that want to be touched, that want to be held, that are yearning for this medicine. Breathe. And breathe again. Stay with your breath. Mm. There is no love here. He raped my soul. Whatever innocence I was born with, he stole. I was just a child. I think that's what he liked. Now that I'm a mermaid, I'm learning how to fight without your violent adoration. Every violation coming all over me, coming all over your vicious stimulation. Such a violation coming all over me, coming all over, all over. It's all over. 
Where have my tears gone? Can I even cry? Am I still human or did life within me die? Would it even matter? Am I in control? You see, I'm just a mermaid underwater Found my home away from violent adoration Every violation coming all over me Coming all over your vicious stimulation Such a violation coming all over me Coming all over, all over It's all over No more I take my body back It's my body No more I'm taking back my mind is mine it's mine it's mine my mind is mine my mind is mine it's mine it's How am I supposed to say words after that? <laughs> wow. Like beyond impactful, beyond touching any individual life is what that song does. Mm -hmm. Voice to the taboo, bringing voice to the voiceless, bringing voice to the unvoiceable. Such courage it takes to open your channel in that way. Yeah. Um, specifically, I noticed my system and I just want to name before I go on that um, the very, very, very high part of the song at the very, very end. I've heard you sing it before. Your voice, the voice, the microphone literally couldn't handle it. <laughs> so it just went silent, like when you were really in the high, high, but the, the most of the song picked up. So good to know. <laughs> yeah. Just naming that more for those who are listening, that when this song comes out, I imagine, you know, many will want to hear these messages again. And the part that didn't come through, you can listen to in the, the recording when Naya releases them. So at the end of the episode, I'll have you share where people can find um, this music. But yeah, I just want to name, you know, in this, in this, you know, journey, the podcast that we're creating, we are talking about, you know, life beyond the edge and the aspect of the song where you share like coming all over me, coming all over me, you know, that's such a, um, I notice even my system, like, like I felt the, like, ugh, you know, like I felt the, ugh, and I felt the, the conditioning around how others will feel about that, you know, and how that might impact others. And just the shame that we carry around that without having even had an experience like this child had, are you kidding? Like, wow. Like from a peripheral removed three steps back place, still feeling my system, like, like feel that closure. And then when I really feel like just bringing light to it, I can feel even while I'm voicing it and naming it, 
the depth of like how much deeper compassion I can feel for the actual lived experience of this boy. Right. And then how, if, if me talking about it and bringing it forward, the little contraction in me, the shame or the embarrassment feeling that comes up in me, how I can imagine that for him, the not talking about it for so many years, and then having the gift of a woman like you coming into his life and not only talking about it, bringing that which used to be unnameable into the light, but actually transmitting it in song. Like this is something we're not only going to talk about, we're going to sing into it. We're going to sing about it. I can just, I can feel the depth of healing in that and the transmutation of shame that occurs in that. So I just loved, I just, I felt like I want to name that. And I'd love to, yeah. Do you, I'm curious if you have any thoughts about that. Yeah. So it's interesting. That song in particular was actually the first, I worked with six youth that year and it was the first of the bunch that I channeled. And what a way to break the seal. I know. It was like, wow. And it's so interesting, you know, with this music, with these songs, I really don't think about it. Yeah. I feel them. I feel the music. I feel the lyrics. Mm -hmm. It really is the most channeled work I've ever done. It's happening through me right? Like the songs are already written. I'm just listening to them and singing them, right? So with this being the first one, I remember recording a voice memo and sending it to Jess, texting it to her. And, you know, this is a schooled therapist has been, you know, and has all of these rules when it comes to what it means to be a therapist, right? And she you know, but she's also my sister, you know? And so she, the first thing she said, she's like, I don't, I don't want to step on you as an artist. I don't want to put words in your mouth or in this song, but that chorus, I am afraid of that chorus. I personally am afraid of that chorus, just Mm -hmm. myself. And I'm also afraid of re-traumatizing my client. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Real thing. Yeah, totally. And I was just like, you know, let's talk to him. You know, yeah. I have no attachment. You know, yeah. once the song is out, I love what Erica said. Erica Badu says, once the song is written, it no longer belongs to you. Yeah. Right. So it's not, it's not mine anymore. I've released, I've surrendered. And so, you know, before I sang it for Yamar for the first time, I did, I just said, look, there's explicit language in here and people can take it how they want, but that's what came through. And I just want you to know that. And I want to make sure that you're going to be okay. You know? And he said, yeah, I'll be fine. Yeah. So I sang the song and he looked at me and he's like, yeah, that's, that's it. That's what happened. That's the truth. You know, that's, that's what it is. The healing is in the truth. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. And so that was all I needed. And it was so powerful for Jess as the licensed therapist who had been, you know, Yamar's therapist for years, afraid of re-traumatizing him. There's something while there is so, I have so much respect and so much honor for all of the different professions that require the schooling that they do and the systems that are in place for a reason, so much respect. And there's also another way to do it. Yeah. In the, and it's for me, it's in the, the merging, the collaboration, you know, I feel so lucky that in that first year I had Jess and her partner as therapists, just in case, right. To hold the periphery. Yeah. Right. Just to make sure that as I'm sitting with a, an individual, it's one thing to be sitting with a young person. It's another thing to be sitting with a young person of color. Another thing to be sitting with a young, poor person of color who's been traumatized. Yeah. And so to have the backbone, to have the container held in the periphery by somebody who has gone to school and is licensed, because I'm not licensed, right? Mm-hmm. Like I haven't gone to school for this. My school is right. license from my yeah, Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that was, it was powerful. It was powerful for her and it was powerful for me. And uh, 
and and it will be powerful for anybody who hears it. You know, it's um, it's it's taboo and it's and it's uncomfortable, and that's okay. Which which is why it serves in a, in in a more from my perspective in a in a with a potency that you don't normally experience in in um, like sound healing, right? Like this is like potent. It's directed. It's and I, and I just want to jump in there. I intentionally do not call it sound healing. Yeah. I call it song healing. Yeah. It's not just that it's not to the just sound, right? It is sound. And there's, and I have so much respect for sound healing as well, but this is your healing song. Yeah. Song. It's different. That's different. Yeah. I got chills when you said that. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah, I think we have time for one more for, I'd love to hear about one of the other, um, children, young, I love that you said young people, right? It's like children doesn't even sound right. Like that sounds like they've lived more lifetimes in their very short lifetime than most adults, you know? So the next, you know, young person that you worked with that feels most alive in this moment. Kateria, <laughs> I know this song has impacted you personally as well. So that's, what's one of the reasons why I feel called, but this young woman, Ah, she lost her father when she was nine years old. She woke up to her mom screaming and she got out of bed and she went out to the front yard and her father was gunned down in her front yard Mm. when she was nine and she was really close to him. You know, she was daddy's little girl Mm. and she's probably 300 pounds over her weight, right? She but she's the light of the room. Mm-hmm. You know, she makes you laugh. She's, uh, but I could, there's, there, there's something about this woman. It's like, we didn't talk much, to be honest. We didn't have like de- a, a depth of conversation, but I just like, I felt her. And when I was recording this song, it was the hardest one for me to record. I kept having to stop and cry. Mm-hmm. every line or every verse, I think because I was feeling her emotion that she literally carries in her body so deeply. I felt it in my core. I still do. Every time I even talk about her, I feel it, you mm-hmm. know? And I feel humbled. I feel humbled that when I first played the song for her, she wept. It was a moment where I felt like those tears had, she had been waiting to cry since she was nine years old. And so this song speaks to her pain. This song speaks to loss. And it also, for me, there's something really powerful about it being for a young girl who lost her father. The dynamic the sacredness of the father and the daughter and that union is so meaningful for me yeah I have a complex relationship with the men in my life Mm -hmm. I have a dad and a stepdad and Mm -hmm. and but that relationship has been, those relationships have been really complex and challenging to this day, mm-hmm. you know? And I feel that, I feel that loss. Even though I haven't lost them, I also feel there's a part of me that hasn't ever had them fully either. Mm, wow, well said, yeah. Yeah, so I feel that in this song. I feel my own sorrow and as well as her own. So again, just inviting you to close your eyes, release any tension, and let your body melt into this song. Mama woke me up, I could hear her scream. No, this can't be real 
This is all a dream Cause they taken my father Don't go taking my father away from me I still need him Like a phantom limb I still feel you near You're in every smile and in every tear I'm still calling you father Calling for my father Rescue me I still need him love the way you paint the pathway towards faith mm. and um, like opening up the door of possibility that that relationship transcends the physical, you know, that that father-daughter relationship transcends the physical and that yeah, I can imagine like at a, at a young age before there's many reference points for life and death and to have a transmission like that from a woman that you've grown to trust, who's painting the way towards the possibility that the relationship with the father who was lost is actually not. To me, that's, it just feels like such a gift. And how, how did she receive it? The, the, her words were something to the tune of like, <laughs> she was just like, you get it. Yeah. Again, she's not, she doesn't say a lot. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't say a lot. Right. But it was, there were, she was weeping. Like she wept. Yeah. Big deal for, for this particular young woman. and. She just was like, yeah, I, I feel like I've shared, you know, what's happened to me to a lot of people, but you're the only person who actually got it. Like you're the only person who actually listened. Wow. No. Wow. Yeah. What a gift. Such, such good, real work, mama. Mm -hmm. Thank you for doing what you do. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just, um, 
being willing to share these sacred songs um, with us and, and the dojo family so that we can receive those transmissions and and walk with them. It's almost like with song, you can walk with it and carry it with you and the impact that it's had on you in your life. Um, when I was in Costa Rica, I was sitting in, you know, those grandmother ceremonies and I sang in two of them. And there was um, one of the, the maestra, the, the, there was a beautiful couple who um, are now my teachers that I, I instantly felt like family to me. I was working with um, the, the maestra, the, the woman and the couple, and she taught myself and a dear friend, one of the um, Icaros, one of the songs. And so we were practicing it before we went into the ceremony. And in the ceremony, we sang this song together. And this song had very clearly come through a lineage. It had come through and been passed down from woman to woman or, or human to human to human to human through a line. And I could feel for the first time singing that song while I was with the medicine, the potency of all the carriers of that song that had ever sung it and, and, and like feeling that lineage, like coming through me through the song was one of the most extraordinary experiences I've ever had. Like my hands were like completely like where it feels like they fell asleep, but they didn't. It was just like energy moving through them and they were crunched up so much energy just flowing through me during that expression. And so I feel you at the, um, almost like the origin point of song, the creation point of song and what it means to carry through from like the source, the channel of the origin point of the song, and then transmit it to the beings that you're meant to serve with it and then have them care, become carriers of that song and the medicine that that song carries. And then it gets to be passed along in, in whatever ways are true and organic for that song to be passed along in the way that it touches lives. I'm just experiencing for the first time, the ability to appreciate that the place from which a song comes, especially a song that's channeled with that amount of intention. So thank you for bringing and sharing that medicine with us here. And I'm, I can imagine everyone listening can deeply understand why I feel so honored to be in um, collaboration with this woman. As you know, as she said, we've had a, a mentor, mentee, sister, teacher, student, friend, ally, collaborator, co-creator dynamic for really since the time that we met mm -hmm. and, um, I'm so excited about all that's to come. And it's, it's really through our relationship and the relationship that we've built with the women in the, the OG dojo council that um, has inspired the expanse that has this episode happening right now, you know? So this is the first of many offerings that you guys will get to hear coming from the women in Naya's group in the OG Dojo Council. So every month I'm going to have one episode where I'm going to interview and introduce, really it's more than an interview. It's like an introduction where I'm going to introduce all of you listening to the women that make up the Dojo Council, who are also coming on board with me as co-facilitators, as sound guardians, as really the backbone of the entire ecosystem that we're creating together. So we're going to have one episode every month where I'm going to introduce you to one of them, and then I'm going to pass the mic to them. So you're going to actually get to experience the next episode is going to be Naya holding the spear tip, and she's going to introduce you to someone in her world that she feels inspired by who lives their life beyond the edge. And so I'm really excited for you, Naya, to, to really get to hold the momentum um, in the next episode of what we've created here today. So thank you for bringing what you bring. And I'd love to just invite you to share how everybody who's listening can find you, um, what it is that you're up to also with the Song Healing Trauma Sisterhood. And we'll also post links in the show notes so um, everyone can access you. Yeah. So I'll share links in the show notes for sure. But my main social media playground is Instagram. So find me at Naya Kete, N-A-I-A-K-E-T-E. -E. And in my bio, you'll find links to download a free trauma healing song that I channeled for women 
who are curious about the song Healing Trauma Sisterhood and getting a taste of this work. So, and those will be included in the notes as well. Mm, Beautiful. Thank you so much for being here, my love. And to all of you that are listening, we deeply honor you and the courage that it takes to live your life beyond the edge right along with us. Blessings and we'll see you next time. Thank you all for creating this space to receive this transmission and for having the courage that it takes to live your life beyond the edge. If you feel the call to go deeper with me privately or explore the dojo ecosystem, the best place to start is by visiting zaharazimring.com and taking your free micro dojo. You can also find me on Instagram at Zahara Zimring, and I love hearing from you guys. So feel free to send me messages, make comments, and I will absolutely get back to you. I also would deeply appreciate if this episode or any of these episodes have touched your heart, leave a review as it really supports this show in touching more hearts and more lives all around the world. Thank you for joining and I'll see you next time.